Christmas is about God sending His Son into our world with a mission. Today, we'll study two passages from the Bible that help us understand the meaning of Jesus Christ coming into our world. This message is the first in the series, A Timeless Christmas. The message is entitled, Now and Then. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we start a new series of messages uh, as we head into the Christmas season for the month of December. I'm going to be talking to us about a timeless Christmas. Today's message is titled, Now and Then, Now and Then. One of the most celebrated seasons of the year, obviously, is the Christmas season. And while living in a very secular culture, I think most of us would agree that the culture that we live in right now is fairly secular. A lot of our Christian morals and values have been undermined over the last numbers of decades and just where our culture is going. And part of what's happening in our world today is, uh, is many folks are kind of removing Christ from Christmas. In fact, sometimes it's even rare to hear the phrase Merry Christmas anymore. And it really breaks my heart to think that we don't use that term as much as it once was used. But what's happening is, again, the secularization of our culture. And what we must remember is this. We must remember that without Christ, there is no Christmas. Because Christmas is Christ's Mass. It is a celebration of who Jesus is. It's a celebration of the fact that God sent His only Son into our world. And that's an amazing thought in and of itself. And the fact that Jesus Christ, part of the Godhead, part of the triune God, left heaven and came down to earth and lived among us. The Bible says the Word became flesh and lived among us. It's an incredible thing that Jesus would be willing to leave the beauty of heaven and come down to our world, to earth. But he did that, and he came with a mission. He came on purpose. He came to do something for you and for me. In the Gospel of John, John chapter 3, verse 16, we find the words of Jesus recorded. Uh, and in terms of his mission, what did Jesus come to do? Why did Jesus leave heaven? Why did Christmas happen? What was the whole purpose of Christ's advent into our world? In John 3, beginning in verse 16 down through verse 18, we find these words. They're very familiar. At least verse 16 is. Perhaps verses 17 and 18 are not quite as familiar to you as verse 16. But let me read all three of these verses for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal Life. Would you circle that phrase on your notes? Have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Here we see again the mission, the purpose of Jesus coming. He said, I've come so that you can experience, if you'll put your faith in me, you can experience eternal life, eternal life, and not be condemned. As you head toward the latter part of the Gospel of John, John's wrapping up sort of a description of his Gospel account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And he says this in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. That's the Gospel of John. But these are written, that as I wrote these things, this, these chapters are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have, what's the next word there? life in his name. Both of these passages of scripture give us a, sim a similar theme. It's the idea of life. Jesus came 
His whole purpose of coming was so that you and I could experience life. That Greek word is zoe. It describes much more than just biological life. It describes a fullness of life. It describes a life that goes beyond just breathing in and breathing out and living day by day. It's a a life of, of really adventure and fulfillment. So Jesus said, I came that you might have life. And that gift is the gift of life to the world, to those that will believe in him. Now, I want to help you to see this in the Christmas context. And, uh, of course, at Christmas time, we normally think of gifts and the giving of gifts. And so let's use that analogy just for a moment. Obviously, the greatest gift of all that we can ever experience in our life is the gift of Jesus himself. Jesus coming to live in our lives and having relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But when you have Jesus, you have a whole bunch of other gifts. It's like having one package. You open up that package, and there are lots of other packages inside that package. What I want you to see that Jesus is the greatest gift, but when you begin to get into Jesus and discover who he is and how he works, you begin to to discover lots of other gifts that come along with it. And some of those gifts that you find in Jesus are gifts that benefit us in the here and now. That is, you can experience them and enjoy them right now. For example, the gift of forgiveness. Aren't you glad that when Jesus comes into your life, you don't have to wait until sometime later to be forgiven. You, You receive forgiveness right then. Right at that moment, you accept Christ. So it's not something you wait on. And many of the gifts we have in Christ are for the now. They're for this moment. But there are other gifts that we have in relationship with Christ that are not now, but they are then, they are later. That is, we will find the fullness of them not in this life, but in the life to come. And that's why Jesus talks about abundant life and eternal life. And so in him we have both the abundant life now and the eternal life forever. And so in this, se- in this season of the year, this Christmas season, 2014, we're going to talk about the then life. I'm going to talk to you about some of the gifts that maybe you haven't thought about recently that come in your relationship with Christ. I want to talk to you about eternal life and eternity. And today I'm going to begin by sharing with you three very important things that you need to understand about eternity, about eternal life that will get us started in this Christmas journey together. The first thing I want you to notice is that the Bible very clearly teaches us that you and I were made for eternity. We were made to last. We were made for eternity. Eternity is a very difficult concept for us to grasp as human beings. I mean, if you say describe infinity, how do you describe infinity? If you look up at uh, day or night into the, to the sky and try to fathom the depth of the universe, it goes beyond your capacity to do that. And so eternity is something that we don't, we don't have, a, we, it's not easy for us to sort of put any parameters of definition on because we don't understand it very well. And we lived in a world of time in finite terms. We wear watches and we look at our cell phones that give us the time and we use calendars and we mark time as it as, as beginning points and end points. The day starts at a certain time and ends at a certain time. A week starts at a certain time and the week ends at a certain time. A month starts at a certain time and ends at a certain time. You get the idea. And so the way we measure time as human beings is from a beginning point to an end point, but with God there is no beginning and there is no end because He is the eternal God. And so time is very different when it comes to God. God doesn't measure time the way we measure them. So we live in this world of finite kind of definition of time. And in the most practical way in our own life experiences, we define life with two bookends, 
birthdays and death date. If I ask you today, when were you born, everybody could give me your birthday. If I ask you, how old are you, some of you may be tempted to lie. But if I ask you your birth date, as long as you didn't have to give me the year, okay, you're okay with that. You know the day you were born. It's your birthday. And at some point in time, there will also be a day that will mark your last day on the planet, the last day here. If you go to a funeral, a memorial service, you will often see that on the front cover of the program will often be the picture of the deceased, and along with that will be their birthday and the day that they died, and a little dash in between those two dates representing the time that they lived. And so we have these bookends of life when we are born and when we die. But I want you to understand that there's life beyond, there's time beyond our time. And I describe prepared for you a little diagram this morning that perhaps will help you to get a perspective of that. If you guys will go ahead and put that up on the screen as quickly as you can, please. And you'll see that I want you to look with me on this. <clears throat> this is the, the timeline, if you will, of eternity. And I want you to notice there that right in the middle, I've given you your time on earth. There are two little dots there, when you're born and when you die. And by the way, <clears throat> really those two dots ought to be really close together in context of eternity. This is not according to scale. Okay. Because really in eternity, if you live even to be a hundred years of age, what is a hundred years compared to trillions and trillions and trillions of years? I mean, unending years. You can't, it's, there's no way to measure really the minuscule dimension of your life and my life, ever how old you may live to be. The point is that you have a limited time order. You're born and you die. And what I want you to see is that there was time before you showed up, right? It was a history that existed and there was the start of human history, but even the start of human history wasn't the beginning of time because eternity existed before there was the start of human history. Everybody with me so far? And you came along at, and I came along at a certain time in human history and then we're going to die, but after we die, there's also time beyond our death. In fact, things will continue on after you're gone here on earth, right? For a period of time, we, world, the world will continue, and as I'll mention in a moment, you will as well, but there'll come an end point of human history. Just as there was a beginning of human history, there will be an end of human history. That's part of what many people don't recognize. The Bible is very clear about the fact that one day, history as we know it, the world as we know it, is going to come to an end. It's not going to last like this forever. There'll be a time when God will present us with a new heaven and a new earth and a new kingdom, and everything will be perfected after the final judgment happens and that eternity goes on forever and Jesus Christ comes back again and there's what we call the consummation of the kingdom of God and all that's high and theological stuff and I don't mean to confuse you with it today but what I want you to see is that there will be an end of human history but experience will go on for eternity. See, there is no end. Eternity is eternity before us and after us. And what I want you to know is that when God made you, when God created you, He created you to live forever. That when you die, when your body stops, and by the way, if you haven't noticed, your body is on a downhill slide, okay? Whatever you try to do, it's going down. Gravity is having an effect on you, okay, on all of us. The broken world in which we live is having an effect. You are not going to live forever. I don't care how much health food you eat, okay? 
how many exercises you do, at some point in time, your heart's going to stop ticking and it's going to be over with. You will, you will, your life will come to an end, notwithstanding Jesus coming back before that happens. Your life and my life will come to an end. And so you must recognize that. And so when your body wears out, when your body quits, the question is that you have to answer, is that the end of you? At that point, is that all there is that we had 50, 60, 70, 100 years on earth and then boom, it was over with and that's all there was? Just go into annihilation or do we believe something different than that? And what does the Bible teach about that? Well, the Bible teaches this. The Bible teaches that when your body dies, your body has simply been the tent that you've lived in because your body is not the real you. The real you is your spirit and your soul. The Bible says that your spirit and your soul are made to last how long? Forever. You were made for eternity. Turn to your neighbor and say, you were made to last. Go and tell them you were made to last. There's an eternity, an eternal dimension of your creation. Jesus talked about this time and time and time again. Listen to John chapter 6, verse 51. I am, Jesus said, the living bread that came down from heaven. So he's talking about a real place called heaven. He said, I came down from there. I came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread, talking about puts faith in him, will live how long? forever this bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world Matthew 6 19 and 20 again Jesus talking about eternity do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal Jesus taught us that heaven is a real place where real investments are made and real investments are kept He's saying there's, there's a life beyond this life. This life is not all there is. You were made for eternity. The second thing I want you to note today, what does the Bible teach about eternity? The second thing you must understand, the Scripture teaches us that there are two potential eternal destinies, two potential eternal destinies. Everyone, because you were made to last forever, when you breathe your last breath, you're going somewhere. I want to say that again. Are you listening? When you breathe your last breath because you were made for eternity, then obviously if you were made for eternity, you're going to exist somewhere in eternity, correct? You're not just going to float around as some weird blob, okay? No, you're going to go somewhere when you die. And so we have to answer the question, what, what does the Bible teach? Because I'm really not... First of all, I'm not smart enough to give you any ideas about, about that myself. And so, and by the way, whether you realize or not, you're not smart enough to figure that out either, okay? So we need, we, need a, we need God to tell us what this is all about, right? So God tell us what is our existence after we die and what, what, what are we to anticipate? What is going to happen when we breathe our last breath? And the Bible is very clear extremely clear that there are two potential places of eternal destiny. At death, you go to a place, not to a, an existence, some kind of weird existence. You actually go to a place. There's a transition from this life into a very real existence called eternity. Hebrews 9, verse 27. Would you read this together with me? Let's all read all the Frederick campus and Gaithersburg campus. Let's all read together loud and loudly this morning. Here we go. 
And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. I want you to look at that verse with me for a moment. It's appointed for men, that's including all humanity, male, female, to die once, but after this. After what? After death. So there is something after death. You got that? After this, the judgment. That is, after this, we're going to enter into an eternal existence based upon where we are in our relationship with God. There is something very real after death. Everyone has an appointment with death, and whenever you have that appointment with death, there's something after death. So this world is not all there is. Now, these eternal destinies were described by Jesus himself. The greatest place to go to find out what, what the Scripture says about, about things like this are the words of Jesus himself. And in Matthew 13, beginning with verse 37, listen to how Jesus described two eternal destinies. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds along, among the wheat is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. So he sets everything up. I don't have time this morning to walk you through all of this, but I would encourage you to go back and read this on your own and study it. So we see now that the harvesters, there's an end time, there's a statement coming that will happen here as, as all of us move from from this life to the next life. And the Bible says in verse 40, just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send His angels. They will remove from His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the righteous will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Jesus said the world is going to come to an end there's going to be an end of everything as you see it, and there's going to be something after that, and, and, and what happens with you after that is going to be determined by where you are in your relationship with God. So here Jesus is not speaking metaphorically. He's not speaking with an analogy. He's speaking very specifically about eternal realities. Now, the Bible teaches that the two eternal realities are heaven and Hell. Say those two with me. Heaven and hell. It's interesting that when the, when the American public uh, is surveyed uh, on, on their belief about heaven and hell, it's interesting that a significant portion of people believe in heaven, but a lot of folks don't want to believe in hell. Okay. The number goes down in terms of, do you believe in heaven? Well, I forget what the number is, and excuse, I'm not even going to venture to try to recall it right now, but there's some significant, I would say 80 80, 90% of people that believe in heaven. And then the number drops to somewhere around 60, 70% of people that believe in hell or even less than that in some surveys. So people like the idea of heaven. Nobody likes the idea of hell, right? But we have to understand there is, you can't have the definition of a heaven without having the definition of a hell, right? Both of those are, you can't have one without the other and what I want you to see is that when God made you he didn't make you for hell he made you for heaven he wants you in heaven 
He desires for you to be in heaven, as we'll talk about in a, in a moment. There's some things you have to do that will allow you to make the choice, some choices you have to make that will allow you to experience eternal life with Him. But God loves you, and God wants to spend eternity with you. In fact, when God created hell in the first place, He did not create it initially for people. He created it for Satan and for his demons, the Bible says. And so hell was not originally even created for humanity. People choose to go there. It's not that you, God sends you there. You choose to go there. If you want to go to hell, you can choose to go to hell, but also you can choose to go to heaven. But you have to realize God wants you with him for eternity. He created eternal, eternal life for you. 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Not Listen to this. Not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. The Bible says God is patient with people. Why? Because he's waiting and pulling on them and, and, and drawing them to himself so that they will come to a place of repentance and experience eternal life. Now, when you die, the moment that you take your last breath, you have to understand that you're going in one of those two directions, heaven or hell. There is no intermediate, intermediate place. I don't care what you've been taught about that. There's no intermediate place between heaven and hell after you die. There is no purgatory in the Bible. There's no place that you kind of go and stop over for a period of time and get another, another chance to get right with God. You get right with God here because when you die, it's done. You don't get an opportunity then to make, there is no purgatory. I'm going to show you the reason there is no purgatory, the, the, the very clear indication in the Bible, there's no, any, there's no intermediate state once you die. Luke chapter 23, verses 42 and 43. Let me tell you the background of this story. Jesus is hanging on the cross. There are two thieves that are hanging with him. One is mocking him. The other thief is trying to come to right relationship with God. And notice how Jesus responds. Then he said, Jesus this is the second thief who's seeking to reconciliation with God. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You all remember that, the thief on the cross? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be in purgatory. Is that what it said? No. Now, think about it. This is a, this is a guy that's created all, done all kind of crimes, all kind of horrible stuff, He's being crucified for it by the Romans, okay? So this is not some poor little guy that didn't do anything wrong. He's done a bunch of wrong in his life, okay? He is a sinner, a sinner sinner, a hardcore sinner. He's hanging on the cross, and he realizes this is the Son of God. I need to get right with God right now before because I'm about to breathe my last breath. I, I take my hat off to him to recognizing the fact that he was about to enter into eternity, and he realized something about eternity that a lot of people today don't realize, that, that when you die, you go somewhere. So he said, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus' response to him was, let's go back to it again now and read it the right way. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me where? In paradise. Now, paradise are a number of different words that are used in the Bible for different dimensions and expressions of heaven and some other terms that are used for hell. Hades is another term that's used for hell. But at the end of the day, what you have to understand, there are two basic destinies of humanity, heaven and hell. 
heaven and hell. Paul affirmed this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse number 8. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. As soon as you're absent from your body, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're immediately present with the Lord. That's one of the reasons why when we do, do funerals or you attend a funeral or have someone die in your family that knows Jesus, while it's a sad moment and you shed tears, we do grieve over the loss of our loved ones and it's certainly appropriate to grieve over the loss of our loved ones. But the Bible says we don't grieve as those that have no hope because the thing you realize is as soon as, as that person who knows Christ breathes their last breath, absent from the body, immediately where are they? Present with the Lord. Isn't that good to know? That if you have loved ones who knew Jesus have gone on and passed from this life to the next life, a mother, a father, a grandmother, a grandfather, an uncle, an aunt, a child that has passed on, here's the good news that as soon as they breathed their last breath here, they entered into eternity into the presence of God. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. So there are two potential immediate eternal destinies heaven or hell. That's clearly what the Bible teaches. Number three, your choices now determine your destiny then. Your choices now determine your destiny then. This life that we live is really only preparation for the next life. And what you do now in this life is going to affect what happens then in the next life. And if I could help you to understand anything this morning, and even as believers in Jesus Christ, we must recognize this because I'm going to share with you some things how this affects us as believers in just a moment. But this life that we have here, whatever length of time you live on earth, I want you to think of your life really as choosing ground. That's really all it is. It's, a t it's really decisions. It's, it's a place where you make decisions about eternity. So what is a place where you make choices that affect what's going to happen to you in eternity. And so many times we make our life about this life, don't we? That all of our focus and all of our energy is about those two little dots, okay? That little life that we have. And really, it is a little bitty life. It's not very much in comparison to eternity. But so many people spend all of their focus just trying to make this life everything it should be and everything they want it to be and everything they hope for in this life. And they put everything, they put all their eggs in the basket of that little bitty life right there. And they never, ever think about, they never, they never contemplate what happens after this life. What am I doing here that's going to affect, what am I doing, I'll say it this way, what am I doing now that's going to have a positive impact upon then? How am I living my life in this moment that will have an impact positively forever and ever and ever? How can I make sure that I'm getting ready for heaven? And by the way, let me tell you something about heaven. I can't wait to teach to you about heaven because as a part of this series, I'm going to tell you what heaven is like. And heaven is phenomenal. You don't want to miss the bus going there, okay? Okay, you don't want to miss that one. I promise you. Because heaven is phenomenal. See, a lot of people think of heaven as like some weird place where we all die and turn into little bitty chubby angels, okay? We get wings and we fly around and we play harps all day, okay? That's the mind, honestly, that's the mindset of a lot of people. 
Or other people think, well, we go to heaven, I guess it's like one big church service forever. Oh, my goodness, okay. i got to go to church for all eternity. Some of you have a hard time with an hour. You think, oh, my goodness, i got to go to church for all eternity? Good gracious. Okay. Church, you don't float around and play a harp, thank God, okay. And you don't go to church for eternity. Don't say thank God right there, okay. So, okay that's, that's not a good place to say thank God, okay. Whatever worship is done will not be forced. You'll want to worship. If you get to heaven, it's not going to be something you somebody asks, okay, let's all worship. I don't really feel like it today, okay. No, you're going to have such a, a respect and response and appreciation for what Jesus has done. It's going to be the, this just going to be what you are in terms of worship. You don't have to get yourself up to worship. As soon as you see the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world for you, you're going to bow down. You're going to worship, okay? okay? So worship won't be a forced thing. It's going to be a real thing that happens from you on the inside. So nobody's going to have to get you up for worship, okay? So worship is just going to be a part of it. We're going to exist forever and ever, and there are all kinds of things we'll be doing. The Bible speaks of a new heaven and a new earth, and the Bible speaks of service that we do to God, and all these things I'll talk about as a part of this series. And the Bible speaks of the fact of the beauty of heaven. Think, have you ever gone somewhere on earth and you thought, wow, this is beautiful? Anybody been to a place like that before? You thought, this is incredible. You pick up a flower sometimes, and you look at the beauty of the flower and all the different colors and the intricacies of how it's made, and you say, wow, this is an amazing creation. But think that God has been spending all of eternity creating in heaven, all of his creative power loose there. I can't wait to get there, okay? It's going to be phenomenal to experience the beauty of heaven. I mean, you think about the best resort you've ever been to, okay? And this just... just Far exceeds anything you exceeds anything you can imagine. So I just want to make sure if anybody has any doubt, you don't want to miss the bus to heaven. I just promise you that you don't want to miss that one. Okay. And so if you spend all of your world, your life's focus right there on those two little dots, and you make your your life all about those two little things, you're actually subtracting from the 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 rewards that you could have when you get there. You're sacrificing the now for the then. Right? If I said, I'll give you a dollar now, or if you'll wait two weeks, I'll give you a million dollars, what would you do? I'm, by the way, I'm not doing this, okay? Just so you know, okay? Now think with me for a moment. Let's just put it in reality, okay? If somebody came to you and said, I'll give you a dollar or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars now, but wait two weeks and I'll give you a million dollars, what, what, what are you going to do? You're going you're to wait. You're going to put your energy not into the getting the now. You're going to say, you know what? I want to live for the then, okay? I want to live for that that's coming later because I know that's a lot more valuable than what anybody could offer me right now in this moment. And that's how you have to start living your life to realize the now that the world offers is so pitiful compared to what God offers. Even the beauty of what you see in the world around you is so pitiful compared to what heaven, the streets are paved with gold. You got that? Now, some of you lock your gold up, okay? God says, yeah, just pave the streets with it. Now, think about that. This is the place we're talking about. And so you don't want to miss that. You don't want to spend your time on those two little dots. And so you've got to make some choices now 
that'll really pay off when? Then. And if you don't make the right choices now, it's going to affect your then. So can I quickly give you three choices you have to make, three areas of choice that you have to make to be focused on the then? How many of you want the then more than the now? Amen? And the now affects the then. So your choices. Number one, your choice about Jesus Christ. That's your number one choice. Because that's what gets you the ticket on the bus. You don't get on the bus without a ticket that's stamped, saved by the blood of the Lamb. Forgiven and redeemed by Jesus Christ. Saved by grace, by the work of Jesus on Calvary. You need that ticket, dear one. You don't get on the bus without the ticket, right? And the only way you get on the bus going to heaven is you have a ticket that's been stamped by the blood of Jesus that says you're one of mine, you belong to me. You say, well, how do I get that ticket? How do I get that one? Go back with me now to John chapter 3. Let's look at it, what it says once again. Verse 16. This is how you get your ticket, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have Get your ticket to eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. There's, the only thing you have to do to get a ticket to go to heaven is to put your faith in Christ, to say, Jesus, I believe that when you went to Calvary and you died on that cross, you died for my sins. And I believe you died for me to forgive me, that you paid the price for me. I couldn't pay the price. I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness, and you did it for me. And I receive you into my life by faith. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe in you. Now, listen closely. That faith is not just some mental ascent up here. The Bible says you have to believe in your heart, in your heart. When you believe something in, a, in your heart, it affects the way you live your life. Amen? Okay? So there's something that is so deep in you that says, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm not talking about fire insurance here. There are a lot of people, they want just enough of Jesus to keep them out of hell. But they continue to live hellishly on earth. And you need to understand, that's not what it's about. Jesus is not just your fire insurance to get you out of hell. He's to give you fullness of life, yes, now and eternally. But you come to him with faith and say, Jesus, I'm going to receive you. There's some of you here this morning that you have never, you have never, ever received Jesus Christ into your life. It's simple. It's just saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe in what you did for me on Calvary, and I believe you rose from the grave, and I'm asking you to come into my heart, into my life. I want now to live for you. I receive your forgiveness and your grace. And the moment that you do that, your name is written in a book called the Book of Life. And that book of life is the registry of those who have advanced reservations for heaven. Right? That when you die, she's in the book. He's in the book. They're in the book. And they're welcomed eternally in. So the first choice that you need to make now is a choice about Jesus Christ. Do you believe in him? Have you received him in a personal way? Your mother can't do this for you. Your father can't do this for you. Your grandmother or grandfather can't do it for you. 
You have to do it for yourself. This is a personal decision that you make in your life. Here's your second choice. The second choice that's essential is you have to choose your lifestyle of obedience as a believer. Am I going to obey God and live for God? Because that's going to affect you eternally as well. Not getting into heaven because you don't get into heaven by your own obedience or your own good works. But it will affect what reward you receive when you get there. I want to make sure that I've, I've stored up a lot of treasure in heaven. How about you? Okay? I want to make sure that I've got a lot of stuff stored up there. And how, how, how am I making sure of that? By my obedience here. The latter part of Revelation 2 verse 23 says, And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. The Bible says, I will repay each of you according to your deeds. And so your obedience here on earth to God matters. Amen? When you live out, when you obey this book called the Bible, it matters. God notices and God rewards obedience. The Bible says that those that come to God must believe that He is and believe that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. And so there are rewards for those who live in obedience. And here's the third thing that you have to choose in your life that you have to choose How are you going to use your life in service to God and to His kingdom? Will I use my life for something more than me? Will I use my life in service to God and to His kingdom? This doesn't mean that you have to somehow resign your job and go into full-time ministry. Wherever God has placed you in life, He's called you to be a minister there. Amen? If you're a doctor, you're called to be a minister in your physician's office. If you're a lawyer, you're called to be a minister to people. If you're uh, whatever kind of worker, administrative worker, a teacher, whatever, I could go through all the different occupations, whatever your role is, God has called you to be a minister right where you are. Your first calling is not your profession or your occupation. Your first calling as a believer is a minister. And to use your life in service for the kingdom of God. And so are you using your life in that way? Are you using it primarily for you? Mark 9, 41 says, Truly I tell you, anyone who gives a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. I love that, don't you? That God says, if you'll just simply go out and serve people in my name. That's why I love uh, our our church. We're a giving church, as was said on on the video earlier today. And we saw it at Thanksgiving and Christmas, going out and giving. And now we have this Christmas opportunity coming before us. And listen, when you write a check and put it in that little envelope to give to a kid a a gift for Christmas. You know what we're going to do? We're going to make sure that child gets that gift in Jesus' name, okay? Not just a gift. Here you go. No, it's giving it in Jesus' name. What is that saying? It's saying, you know what? We want you to know that there's a God in heaven that loves you, and because God loves you, we're expressing His love for you by giving you this gift. And so, that child begins to experience something of God's love and who had a part in it. You know who had a part in it? First of all, we all did because we, we have a team here called church, right? Our church was a part of this, so everybody's a part of this. And so just by the fact that you help allow and make this church happen, we all have a part because this happening in the context of our church. The second thing some of you will have given, and so you may never see that child, but you wrote a check because you wrote a check and put it in that envelope, that child received that gift. And so what was that? That was you were a part of it, weren't you, okay? Now, who noticed that? Who noticed that? God noticed that. 
He noticed that you were doing something to help somebody else in His name. And somebody will deliver that gift to someone or hand that gift to them and speak those words. And they're all a part of the chain. But I will tell you, there's nothing more rewarding than to be a part of something bigger than yourself and primarily to be something bigger than yourself in terms of the kingdom of God and His church. When you're a part of the church, you're a part of something incredible. When you use your gifts and abilities to advance God's kingdom in whatever way you can, you're making a difference in the world. Just the simple things. Just the things, for example, when you, you give your tithes and offerings or you invite somebody to church, all those things are contributing to the work of the kingdom of God. And the Bible says God notices that. If you give a cup of cold water in his name, he says, I know that, and you'll receive your reward. Look at the next passage here. Matthew 25, 21. It's a story of the three men that received talents, one five, one two, and one one, and they were given an opportunity to do something with, with what they'd been given. The man who received five bags of gold or five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold or five talents. See, I've, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I want to break a myth just for a moment. We're going to be done. Not everyone that gets into heaven, are you listening? Not everyone that gets into heaven will hear the words, well done. You may be in heaven, but you don't hear well done unless you've done well. Right? There will be a lot of Christians that will make it into heaven because of what Christ did for them but they will have stored up no treasures there at all. They will have done nothing here on earth that was stored up in heaven for them when they get there. They spent all their time and energy between the dots. Oh, yes, they acknowledged Jesus and accepted him in their life, but they did very little other than that. And because of that, they didn't faithfully use what had been given to them for the advance of God's kingdom. And so when they get to heaven... They'll be there by the grace of Jesus. They'll also be around the throne bowing and worshiping because they're there. We're all there by grace. You don't get there by works. You get there by grace. Amen? And so we're going to all be worshiping the same way around the throne. But in terms of storing up, see, Jesus said, you, store, you can store up treasures on earth or treasures where? In heaven. And those that have taken and done well with what they've been given, their time, their treasure, their talents for the sake of the kingdom of God, when they enter into God's presence, they're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm telling you, and I believe you're with me this morning, I want to hear those words, don't you? I want to make sure that I've done what I need to do and I've made the choices between the dots that will prepare me for the eternity that lasts forever and ever. There's an old poem that says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will truly last. One life it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will truly last. Let's bow our heads together in prayer this morning. Father, we come to worship you, tell you that we love you, thank you for Christmas, thank you for the gift of eternal life that you give us, and I pray this morning that you would help us as we live between the dots to make choices that not only affect us now and the abundant life you called us to, but prepare us for eternity. Experience, the experience of eternal life that you prepared for us. Jesus, you came to earth so that we could have eternal life. Seal this truth deep in our heart, I pray in Jesus' name.
Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you. 